As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPLGeneral. As I record this Sunday night, Game Week 12 has just finished and Game Week 13 is not far away. With a midweek round of fixtures this week, the next FPL deadline is on Tuesday at 4.30pm UK time, which is very, very early, so make sure you don't get caught out by that. The headlines from Game Week 12. Budget midfielder Suchek scored his third goal in five games as West Ham beat Leeds 2-1. Aston Villa left it late against Wolves with substitute Anwar El Ghazi stepping up to score the penalty, much to the frustration of Ollie Watkins and Jack Grealish owners. Emi Martinez was excellent in that one as well, getting 10 plus points for his owners. The Manchester Derby was a scoreless snooze fest. FPL legend Gilfie Sigurdsson inspired Everton to a good win over high-flying Chelsea. Southampton dispatched of struggling Sheffield United with ease with Danny Ings, Che Adams and Stuart Armstrong all getting attacking returns in that one. Kane and Son linked up yet again for Kane's goal but it wasn't enough for Spurs to win the game with Jeffrey Schlupp equalising for Crystal Palace. Mohamed Salah made his owners and captainers in particular sweat, scoring a late penalty just before he was due to be substituted. That one finished 1-1, which was a good point for Fulham. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was back on the score sheet, but it was in the wrong net as Arsenal lost 1-0 at home to Burnley. Worrying times for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta. While Jamie Vardy, James Madison and James Justin all went big in Leicester's 3-0 win over Brighton. If you are not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, now is a good time to do so as you can get yourself a subscription as well as gifting someone else with the latest sign-up offer just in time for Christmas. You can do so by visiting theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod. A very warm welcome to Billy Sharp to the 59th Minute Club. It was a bad enough weekend for Billy and the Blades without getting the dreaded shout-out on the podcast just to rub salt in the wounds. He becomes the ninth member of the club that nobody wants to be in. His teammate Ethan Ampadu will be able to introduce him to the other lads. So welcome to the club, Billy Sharp. I thought he was going to be the only one this weekend, but right at the end of the game week. 
Granit Xhaka did me a favour for the podcast. So he got himself sent off. Xhaka is already in the 59th minute club. He was very close to getting a 59th minute red card. I think it was in the 57th minute for a minus two. What that resulted in was an early substitution by Mikel Arteta. Alexander Lacazette was taken off. I think it was for Ceballos. And of course, it was in the 59th minute. So joining Billy Sharp this week is Alexander Lacazette our ninth and 10th members of the 59th Minute Club. So keep an eye on the clocks midweek, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Hopefully we'll get a few more members. A quick review of how Game Week 12 went for me. Going into the game week, I took a minus four. So I got rid of Andrew Robertson reluctantly and I got rid of James Rodriguez finally as well. It, it helped that he was ruled out of the game week anyway, so he wasn't going to hurt me this, this week. I brought in... For the hit, uh, Jamal Lewis from Newcastle, 4.3 million. I only had 4.3 million to spend, so I didn't have much choice there. Brought in Lewis and put him on the bench, thankfully. And brought in Mohamed Salah and captained him for his 16-pointer. So overall, I think that minus four turned out to be a good one. Robertson conceded and Salah got his goal and nicked a bonus point somehow as well. So overall, captaincy is going well for me over the last couple of weeks. So that's five captaincy you know, good captaincy scores in a row now. And that was a, an aspect of my game that I wanted to improve big time from last season. I was pretty weak with captaincy last season. So things are going a lot better in that regard this year. So hopefully I can keep that going now over the coming weeks. I'll probably keep it simple midweek as well. Just go KDB at home to West Brom and not overthink it. Overall, 60 points. When you take into account the minus four, it was a 56 net. It was a small red arrow from 53k overall to 71k so if you're going to get a red arrow you want it to be a small one so that doesn't bother me too much after three or four greens in a row James Justin saved me really right at the end of the game week with that 11 pointer otherwise I would have been probably heading heading outside the top 100k thereabouts the good and the bad starting with the good Salah captain Justin with a very sweet 11 pointer Walker Peters with six Son with five and the two strikers as well Calvert-Lewin and Bamford also got five points with their assists. The bad, Ramsdale, again. I'll talk about him when it comes to my transfers. I think this might be the f- finally the time where I admit my feelings and just get rid of Ramsdale himself. Chilwell, just two points. Didn't bother me too much that, that one because Calvert-Lewin got the assist there for that goal. De Bruyne and Bruno blanked in the derby. Doesn't bother me too much. Just glad I didn't captain either of those guys. And Watkins was disappointing as well. Just two points and looks like he's lost penalties now. El Ghazi took the penalty. I think it probably would have been Grealish if, if El Ghazi wasn't on the pitch. So that, you know, Watkins is not as good an option now without those penalty kick duty. So overall, uh, a small red arrow, but hopefully we can bounce back midweek. A watch list update ahead of Game Week 13. Not too much change this week. Added three players and also removed three players. First of all, the players I removed. Diogo Jota, for obvious reasons. Injured. Klopp says it's going to be between one and a half and two months. So if you've got him, you've got to sell him. Timo Werner is gone from the watch list because he's just not doing enough at the moment to justify his 9.5 million price tag. You've got plenty of strikers at cheaper prices who are performing pretty consistently Bamford Calvert-Lewin you know Danny Ings is back on the radar now as well there's plenty of options there I think it's four games without a goal now for Timo Werner so if you've got him it's probably time to start thinking about letting him go 
Also removed from the watch list for pretty similar reasons is Gabriel Jesus at Manchester City. Again, hard to justify paying his price at the moment when he's not scoring a lot of goals. Sergio Aguero, I'm sure we're going to see him over the coming coming couple of weeks as well. So that is also an issue for Gabriel Jesus, especially when he's not scoring. Surely as soon as Aguero's fit and available, he'll be straight back in up front for City. So Jota, Werner and Jesus are not in my thoughts at the moment. Which players have I added to the watch list? As as I often do when I sell a player that I like, you know, they, they go straight back on the watch list. So Andrew Robertson, I reluctantly sold him in order to get Salah in. Robertson's back on the watch list and he's definitely a player I will look at when I wildcard in game week 16. So hopefully he doesn't hurt me too much over the coming weeks because he's one of my favourite FPL assets. So it was good to see Liverpool concede today, having sold him. I think the player who caught my eye the most at the weekend was West Ham's side Ben Rama. He's 6 million in FPL. Uh, West Ham went to the back four, which allows Moyes to play an extra attacker, which is good for the likes of Ben Rama and Bowen and these guys. Ben Rama himself attempted six shots versus Leeds. He passed the eye test. He was a very, very good player in the championship for the last couple of seasons. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about this guy as soon as he joined West Ham as a, you know, potential very good FPL asset. So, I seen. I was reading somewhere tonight as well. He's got a pretty good penalty record, so it could be the case that he may he may end up taking over those as well, which would be a big bonus for his FPL prospect. So Ben Ram is one to keep an eye on. He could be one, you know, especially for us wildcarders. Game week sixteen, he could be a nice short term punt before the wildcard. So hopefully he can continue to get starts in that West Ham team at six million. You know, could be a very very good option. Another player who is back on my watch list, he was on it earlier in the season, Fulham's Adamola Lukman. He's just 5 million in FPL. His assist against Liverpool at the weekend was his third attack and return in the last four game weeks. So pretty healthy returns there for a player who costs just 5 million. The problem is fitting him in to our midfield. Most of us have a lot of big hitters now and you can throw Grealish in there as well. It's quite hard to fit in these cheap midfielders at the moment. Now what I would say is when it comes to 5 million midfielders, Lukman, I like him as an option. But I think Suchek is the best option. I think Suchek has three goals in his last five games, so it's hard to justify going for Lukman over Suchek at the moment. And we know Suchek has a double game week, I think, as well, in game week 19, with two nice home fixtures there for West Ham. So, again, that's something to keep keep in mind for the likes of Ben Rama uh, and Bowen and these guys as well, that West Ham do have that nice double game week on the horizon, which is not really too far away now, uh, especially if you don't have a wild card, you might want to start planning for that. So that is the watch list updated ahead of the midweek games. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 10 of the best Twitter questions. Now, thanks as always to everyone who sent them in. 
First one came in from FPL Sponge. Has the return of home crowds had a significant impact on team performance, which we should factor in when making FPL managerial decisions? Uh, Sponge mentions Everton winning and deserved draws for Crystal Palace and Fulham with the fans in the stadiums. And I'm going to throw in another one here as well. I noticed it big time watching Southampton, Sheffield United. You know, when you're Sheffield United and things are not going well, the last thing you want is, you know, the home fans from the opposite team jeering your every shot off target. So that's what I noticed big time. And I think, the f- I didn't think the fans would have a huge impact. I thought to myself, if there's only going to be 2,000 fans in the stadium, there's not going to be much of an atmosphere and surely it won't have much of an impact. But I think it was pretty clear at the weekend, having those fans back in made a big difference. A lot of those home teams had, you know, got good results, you know, mentioned a couple of them there. And I was surprised as well by just how much noise and atmosphere 2,000 people can make. And the players and the managers mentioned that as well. You can see that it's given those home teams a big lift. So what I would say in terms of FPL is, you know, maybe we can weight home advantage a little bit more. Now, I'm not going to say hugely, but I think we can weight home advantage a little bit more than we have done maybe for the first chunk of the season. So it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of games to see if that continues and if those fans do start to make a big difference. Question from John. At this point, is Suchek a valid playing midfielder to fund a fourth big hitter? So yeah, mentioned Suchek in the previous section. Is he a viable you know, player you can play every week now as a fourth or fifth midfielder? I think he is. You know, I think a lot of people have been doing it all season and they're only starting to see the rewards now over the last four or five games getting those goals. I think he's He's a great option at five million, especially for this busy period as well. I can't see him getting benched. You know, he he's he's a bit like a centre back or, or some of those strikers that play every game. I think Suchek's very very important to that West Ham setup. I think if you take if you were to take him or Declan Rice out, I think you would be losing a lot from that midfield. So I think Suchek has a very good chance of playing every minute over this busy period. If you have him, I would happily start him now as a fourth or a fifth midfielder. It's it's got to the stage now where. I never thought I would say this about a 5 million West Ham midfielder, but he's probably one of the players that I hate not owning at the moment. You know, seeing him score, you know, in back-to-back game weeks, it was really frustrating as a non-owner because, you know, a lot of people do have him and he's a very, you know, he's a player I've, you know, talked up a lot this season but haven't, you know, had the opportunity to bring him in myself. When it comes to my wildcard game week 16, I'm pretty sure he'll be one of the first names in my squad as that fifth midfielder. You know, maybe I won't play him every week, you know, but I think he's he's the ideal first sub to have this season. He's a bit like Cantwell last season. You know, Cantwell was, was a very good f- first sub last season. I think Suchek's our guy this season. Question from Craggles. Who to replace Jota with? So I had a look. Jota is 7 million. Who would I replace him with if I had him? I think the most obvious choice if you don't have him is Jack Grealish. And if you can afford him, you know, Grealish is 7.8 million. So you're going to have to have about 1 million in the bank to do that one. I think that's a no-brainer if you can get go Jota straight to Grealish. Aston Villa have got three very nice fixtures coming up. I think it's Burnley, West Brom and somebody else. Very, very good fixtures. Grealish, I've... I've kind of had to make peace now that I can't own Grealish until I wildcard, which I'll talk about when it comes to my transfers. I'm probably going to be bringing in another Aston Villa player, possibly tonight, which is going to block a move for Grealish, which I'll talk about more later. But if you can get Grealish in a free transfer this week, I think that is a no-brainer. The other options from Jota, if you if you don't have cash in the bank, I think a West Ham midfielder 
you know, I mentioned Ben Rama as a punt. You know, Bowen, I think, is a very good option who's having a very good season as well. And Suchek, if you want to go Jota to Suchek, you know, that frees up two million um, that you can use elsewhere in your squad. I like that as well. Stuart Armstrong, he's been on my watch list for most of the season. Good to see him get on the score sheet again today. So he's an option at 5.5. And Rafinha, even though he didn't do anything at the weekend, I still like Rafinha at 5.4. But yeah, I think the obvious ones are just go straight to Grealish if you can, or else I like a West Ham midfielder. Question from DB. Is Stones a good price for a gamble? Or should we pay more for a more likely starter like Diaz or Walker? So John Stones is very, very tempting. He's 4.8 million. He's played 90 minutes in the last three games. But I think he could be a trap. You know, it's it's Pep Guardiola we're dealing with here at the end of the day. Just because Stones has played well and played 90 minutes in three games, that does not mean he's going to keep his place in the team. I just find it very hard to believe that Laporte is going to sit on the sideline all season, or, you know, at least for the next couple of weeks. It, the, the video, the camera panned to him at one point, I think it was just at the start of that Man City game, and he did not look happy with his hood up in, in the crowd. So I wouldn't be surprised midweek to see Laporte come back in. Uh, and stones to drop out. You know, Diaz seems to be the nailed-on guy in the Man City defence this season. That doesn't mean he's safe from rotation either. No player is safe from rotation, probably apart from goalkeepers at this point of the season. But personally, I don't think I would go for Stones because I think it could end in tears. Just because Laporte, Laporte's a fantastic defender, you know, left-footed defender as well. I'm surprised we're not seeing Diaz on the right, Laporte on the left with, with his left foot. You know, he's playing two right-footed centre backs at the moment which is slightly surprising so yeah my advice I would probably stay away from stones now the people who are you know people like myself if, if, if you've got your wild card left and you're going to play it in game week 16 then it's probably okay for us maybe to take a short term punt because at least we've got that wild card to get rid of stones in a couple of weeks time if it doesn't work out but yeah I think Stones is a risky one. You know, if you've got if you've got a good bench, you know, if you've got two or three good options on your bench, then yes, maybe you can go for it. At least you've got the comfort blanket that if Stones doesn't start, he probably doesn't come off the bench either. So you can get your auto sub in there. So yeah, Stones is a no from me, but maybe if you want a short-term punt ahead of a game week 16 wildcard, then maybe it will be okay. Question from Ethan. General rules of thumb or recommendations for using the bench boost? So Ethan is possibly playing his first FPL season or, or taking it serious for the first time, which I'm sure plenty of you listening are as well. So I always welcome these kind of questions as well each week that are you know more beginners questions because we were all beginners at one point. So don't ever be afraid to ask questions about things you don't know about and because you won't be the only one with that question. Others will be glad to hear them covered on the podcast as well. So what are the general rules of thumb when it comes to the bench boost? So bench boost, you know, you get... Ideally, you want to play it in a double game week and you want to set yourself up with, you know, as many double game weekers as possible. So in an ideal scenario, you would you would have a bench boost of 15 players who play twice. So you're getting 30 players out in a single game week. Now, in reality, that is not always the best way to approach it because there's always good single game week players that will do well and you don't want to lose them, even though they have one game over two games. I remember a couple of seasons ago, uh, probably when Leicester won the league in a, in a in a bench boost, 
instead of going with 15 double game weekers, I probably went with around you know 10 or 11. I remember keeping Deli Ali, Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy, who all had just one game that week and they all scored 10 plus points. So you can't ignore the single game weekers when you bench boost. But obviously the exciting thing to do is have as many players who play twi- twice as possible. So the general rule of thumb is player bench boost in a double game week. Now this season it looks like Game week 18 is going to be a blank game week, so maybe only you know six or seven fixtures. And then the following game week, which will be game week 19, that will possibly be the biggest double game week of the season. So a lot of people will be gearing up to play their bench boost in that double game week. You know, getting 10, 11, 12, you know, maybe even more double game weekers for that. Now, the problem with that is we still don't know the fixtures. Mr. Ben Crellin is your man to follow on Twitter for updates on blank game weeks and double game weeks and all that kind of stuff. He thinks possibly this week or next week we should have the January fixtures, which will tell us who, you know, which teams are playing twice in double game week 19. So keep an eye out for that. We can't do much planning really until we know what those fixtures are. Hopefully we get them soon because then that will dictate your transfers over the next couple of weeks. So yeah, the main thing for double game weeks, follow Ben Crellin on Twitter and you know bench boost is looking good for game week 19 this season but i will cover a lot more chip strategy as that gets closer so don't worry too much about it yet until we have those fixtures question from machise is it time to sell watkins uh machise says yeah he just says is it time to sell watkins i've made some notes here myself i've written down that i'm going to keep watkins until i wildcard purely based on fixtures not much else. I own Watkins. I don't have too much faith in him, to be honest. But given that he's got good fixtures for the next three game weeks, it doesn't make much sense for me to sell him. I'll just keep him and hope for the best that Villa can get some good results there and that he can chip in with goals and assists. If I wasn't, if I was someone who'd already played my wild card and I owned Watkins, I would rather own players like Bamford, Che Adams, Calvert Lewin. Or Danny Ings, so I don't mind a switch from uh, from from Watkins to one of those players. As we've seen, Watkins is no longer on penalties, which is not good news for his prospects either. Question from FPL JRF: Fulham differentials, please. So Fulham have been much improved in recent weeks, so people are starting to look towards their players for potential bargains and differentials. Personally, I'm not overly interested at the moment. Uh, if I was forced to buy them, who would I go for? I think I mentioned I added Lookman to the watch list this week. I think he's a good option at five million. If I was forced to buy one of their defenders, Anthony Robinson, four point four million. He's got some good underlying numbers. He's a very very good player. Anguissa at four point five. If you're looking for a new player just to sit on your bench at four point five million, Anguissa is a good option. He's created quite a few chances this season and he doesn't pick up too many yellow cards compared to the likes of Romeu and Basuma. I think Romeu and Basuma are both on four yellow cards. I think Anguissa has got just one. And Cavaliero as well. As far as we know he is on penalties. I think he took the last one and scored it. He's five point three million, you know, possibly playing out of position as well. I didn't see that Fulham game today, so I can't make a good judgment on that one. But the fact that Mitrovic is not in the starting eleven, Cavaliero seems to be playing pretty far forward along with Bobby Reed. So there's four options from Fulham. Again, I wouldn't be, you know, in a rush to go out and buy them, but there is a few options there at very nice prices. Question from Ardwick. What to do with the Spurs duo? They're up against Liverpool, but is this the year 
for Canaan's son set and forget. So they just keep doing it. You know, son, yes, it wasn't a huge haul. You know, five points is a lot better than two points. Harry Kane got his goal. I presume he got all three bonus points as well, as he often does. So probably a nine-pointer there for Harry Kane, who I sold a couple of weeks ago. No, no regrets there, really, because I, I wasn't going to captain him very often. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to look at him when it comes to my wild card in Game Week 16 to possibly bring him back in. Son will be going nowhere for me. If I own both of them, at the moment, you know, given what's happened over the last couple of game weeks, there's there's absolutely no reason to sell these guys. You know, they keep delivering week after week. When they score, you know, it's the other guy who's assisting them. So even though it's against Liverpool this this midweek, there's you know, there's no reason to sell them. That's probably a game that's gonna suit them anyway. You know, Liverpool are gonna come out and play. Spurs, we know what Spurs will do. They'll sit back and they'll they'll try and pick Liverpool off on the counter-attack, which will be good for the likes of Kane and Son in particular. So yeah, if you have them. You know, I would be in no rush to sell them. There's no, there's no reason to to do so. You know, they keep delivering, so why not just keep those guys? Question from Tom Bowdry: How many teams have you blacklisted? I.e., you know, which teams will you not buy any players from? I like this question. Not a question I've had this season so far. So, is there any teams that I just skip over when I'm updating my watch list and that kind of stuff? And there definitely is. Uh, you'll laugh. You'll laugh at the first one, Sheffield United, because it, because obviously I own Ramsdale and I've owned them for far too long. But um, spoiler alert: I'm not going to own them for much longer. Possibly only for another hour or two, um, because once I finish this podcast, I might just finally bin them off. So there is a couple of teams that I do tend to just skip over when I'm updating my watch list because I'm not interested in buying any other players. Sheffield United are one of them. Uh, once I sell Ramsdale, I can't see myself buying another Sheffield United player, you know, this season unless there's drastic improvements there. West Brom are definitely one at the moment. You know, I never look at their assets either. Arsenal are actually one at the moment as well. You know, they're just lost to Burnley. It's worrying times at Arsenal. They're not scoring goals, so there's no interest in their attackers uh, either. Brighton are probably in there at the moment as well. You know, never. I don't really ever have much trust in their defence, even though their underlying numbers are good. They always find a way to concede goals, as we've seen again this game week. Uh, and their attackers, way too much rotation for the likes of Mopai and Trossard and all those guys. Newcastle as well are probably in there. Yeah, Callum Wilson is on my watch list, but again, I find it very hard to trust Newcastle. So yeah, Sheffield United, West Brom, Arsenal, Brighton, and Newcastle are probably the five teams where you won't see me buy one of their players over the next two or three game weeks. Now that's that's not set in stone. You know that can change quite quickly, especially for teams like Arsenal. If they improve, I'll be interested again. Brighton as well. You know if they can improve defensively, you know I wouldn't rule out buying any of their players. And Callum Wilson, if he keeps doing it, you know I won't rule out getting him on my wild card. Question, final question for this week is from FPL First Aid. Um, he's asking should I hold Vardy for the Everton game this is obviously based on the game that just finished I mean yeah I think you know Vardy's a bit like Kane and Kane and Son if you have him you keep him you know simple as especially now over the last couple of game weeks Vardy's been delivering again what was it today I think it was a goal and two assists so another very healthy return for Jamie Vardy plays plays Everton next who haven't been good defensively this season they were much better against Chelsea but if I own Vardy I would I would fancy him to get something against Everton so I think that's an easy hold if you have Jamie Vardy this week This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Game week 13, captaincy and transfers now to finish up the podcast. Who are the best captaincy options this week? I think there's probably two standouts. Kevin De Bruyne at home to West Brom. Pretty sure he will be my captain. Not going to overthink that one. Bruno Fernandes, who I also own, will probably be my vice captain. I think he's a very good option away to Sheffield United as well. Worth noting, Kevin De Bruyne plays on Tuesday. Bruno Fernandes plays on Thursday. So there is more rest time for Bruno Fernandes. So you'd probably think less chance of Bruno getting benched. There's always a chance. I mean, with any player this midweek and at the weekend as well, there's 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 a very high chance of all players getting rotated at some point. But we can't try to overthink that one too much, I don't think. You know, I do expect KDB and Bruno both to start in this game week. I'll take my chances on KDB and just start him because I think he's the best captaincy option. And I'll just hope that Pep doesn't do a Pep. So KDB and Bruno are the standout options this week. Who are the other options? I think Grealish, if you have him, is worth consideration at home to Burnley. But I wouldn't captain him over KDB or Bruno. Liverpool play Spurs this week. So those are the kind of games I tend to avoid. You know, they can be very cagey nil-nil affairs quite often, as we've seen with the Manchester Derby in the most recent game week. So I'm going to swear the likes of Salah and Son this week. Jamie Vardy, if you have him, he plays Everton at home. I think he's worth consideration as well. As is Patrick Bamford. You know, we haven't spoken about Bamford too much this season in terms of captaincy, but he, he has been very consistent in terms of points returns. And he plays Newcastle at home. Although I think most of Bamford's points have come away from home this season. Again, would I feel confident about Captain and Bamford over someone like KDB or Bruno? Absolutely not. So I think you probably stick with the standard options this week. Go for the Man City man or go for the Manchester United man. Transfers for game week 13. What am I going to do? I'm probably going to make my transfer as soon as I finish recording this podcast because I've had enough. You know, I've said it a few times. I should have done this weeks ago. Aaron Ramsdale, you know, I'm basically playing with 10 players every week. 12 weeks of the season, zero clean sheets. It's time for Aaron to finally go. And basically, I could bring in any other goalkeeper and they would be better than what I currently have. So I only need the new goalkeeper for the next three game weeks because I'll be wildcarding in game week 16. So I've had a look at the fixtures. Who's got the best fixtures for the next three game weeks? It's Aston Villa. They play Burnley home, West Brom away, Crystal Palace at home. So all three of those games are clean sheet potential for Aston Villa. So Emmy Martinez is the goalkeeper I'm going to replace Ramsdale with. The couple of issues with this, Grealish. I can't get Grealish if I get Martinez because I've got Jed Steer as my backup goalkeeper and I've got Ollie Watkins. So if I get Martinez tonight, that means... I can't get Grealish until I wildcard unless I take a minus four at some point and get rid of Watkins or Steer, which I'm unlikely to do. And I don't mind doing this too much because I've got the big midfield of Salah, KDB, Bruno and Son. So I don't really see myself losing any of those guys anyway before I wildcard unless it was an injury or a suspension. Obviously, if there was an injury or a suspension, Grealish would be the obvious replacement for one of those guys. But 
there is other options. So I'm not going to not get Martinez just because I won't be able to get Grealish until I wildcard then. So I'm going to go ahead with that one. You know, like, like I've said to a lot of people this season, we've just got to accept that we can't have every player that we want to own this season. So I'm going to make peace with the fact that I can't get Grealish until I wildcard, even though I would like to own him for the next three game weeks. The other issue with this transfer is I've got, as always, 0.0 million right, you know, wiggle room for this one. So I can sell Ramsdale for 4.8. Martinez costs 4.8. So that's why I'm going to make the move Sunday night because you know Martinez will probably rise at some point this week before Tuesday and Ramsdale is quite likely to fall as well. So if either of those things happened, I wouldn't be able to get Martinez and I just cannot face another game week with Aaron Ramsdale. So I'm just going to pull the trigger when I finish recording this podcast. I've got no other issues in my squad anyway. So, you know, I've got no injuries, no suspensions or anything like that. So I don't mind moving early on this one. And the game week's on Tuesday. So not much can go wrong between now and then. Famous last words. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Thursday this week to preview Game Week 14. Check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General for more content from me this week. Have a good week, everyone, and good luck in Game Week 13. (music) 